Hello, it is Sunday, December 6th. I am Trent Reinsmith, and this is another edition of the Daily Come On Now MMA podcast. And here are today's topics. Dana White says he doesn't know what's going on with the positive COVID-19 tests at the UFC Apex. I don't believe that for one second. And you really have to figure out what is happening there. Because something bad is definitely happening there. Is the UFC following its own protocol? Is the UFC following the Nevada State Athletics Commission's protocol? It doesn't appear so. And that's a big problem. Could someone like Jack Hermanson be in danger of being released from the UFC? I look at what Diana White said about Yoel Romero's release and what he left out of Yoel Romero's release. And Judge Chris Lee needs to be talked to by the Nevada State Athletic Commission. Uh, It'll be good for the UFC, the commission, and the sport in general if that happens. Now on with the show. Okay, going to focus a great deal on Dana White's post-fight press conference at UFC Vegas 16. And bear with me because I'm going to be looking between the camera and the computer screen here. So If you see me shifting around, that's why. So what I'm going to focus on at first is what has been bothering me a great deal, and that's the COVID-19 situation at the apex. And we find that it's just been terrible as far as uh, flight cancellations go. And so with that, um, John Morgan from MMA Junkie did ask White about that situation. And why there seem to be so many positive tests coming back on fight night or very close to fight night. And what White said, and I'll just read what he said and then comment on it. Who knows? I have no idea. The COVID thing is more rampant now. Another friend that I talked to today who lives on an island in Alaska, somewhere where they have a population of 4,000 people, over 40 people have COVID there now, and it's like a huge deal. And if you listen to John Morgan's question, there was nothing asked about White's friend in Alaska. No one cares. The concern isn't Dana White's friend in a small town in Alaska. The concern is the UFC apex and the appearance that the tests are coming back positive on fight night and not earlier in the week. So White did a good job, which he does. He's, he's very aware of what he does. Uh, moving the goalposts, changing the conversation getting to somewhere where he doesn't have to directly answer the question. And so he says, well, COVID-19 is pretty bad everywhere, but we're not talking about everywhere. We're talking about a a place that is supposed to have uh, a bubble, you know, and, uh, and here's what the, the protocol says, which let's not forget the UFC wrote this protocol itself and from all appearances has never followed that protocol and this is from Jacksonville the very first um, location that the UFC had uh, a COVID-19 protocol it was updated and I will also read the update but a lot of this has not changed so here's the protocol for for Jacksonville if the person satisfies the above screening and testing procedures to the extent required by UFC medical staff the person will be issued a special wristband that must be worn invisible at all times 
All personnel will be instructed not to leave the premises after completion of the screening and testing procedures other than as required for the Jacksonville events. So the test that it, you get tested when you get there and once it comes back negative, if it comes back negative, the fighters would be then quarantined inside the fighter hotel according to this and would not leave the hotel until required by the Jacksonville events, which means you go from the hotel to the facility where the fight's at. In Vegas, that would be you go from the fighter hotel to the UFC Apex. And watching the Jacksonville events, the UFC actually filmed fighters outside of the hotel, training, doing whatever. Um, and that's against the protocol from day one. And so the reports I've seen and that I've heard of uh, say that this is still the case, that you can leave the fighter hotel in, in Vegas after you get your uh, first uh, negative test. So why even test? If you're not quarantined and not in a quote-unquote bubble, which Dana White has said the only way things will work is in a bubble, well then what's the use? Is this all theatrics? Is it all show? Because it seems to be. It seems to be all for show. The protocol was never followed, and I don't think it's being followed now. And I'm very unhappy about that, as well as everyone should be, because White has bragged that the UFC is going above and beyond in health and safety on this. And from everything I see, that's been false from day one. Um, so when White was then asked about how is how are the tests being positive on Fight Week, he responded with, people show up with it, or I think what happened this time, somebody had had contact with somebody else and was training their fighter and then gave it to them. I don't know exactly what the deal was, but I don't know. And here's what was updated after the Jacksonville um, event, after the UFC Fight Island events, on the return to the UFC Apex. And this is from a July, I believe, June or July story from Yahoo. Um, and here's what it said. Expanded testing was, was going to be required, and it will require all fighters and their corners traveling to Las Vegas to produce a negative test result before they travel. So this showing up with COVID-19 seems like a farce because according to this, you cannot travel to, the, uh, to Las Vegas until you and your team produce a negative test result. And so White seems to be stretching the truth a little bit here to say the, from what I see. And in that same story, um, Lawrence Epstein's, commented and said we're going above and beyond but that's part of the ethos of what we stand for we're not here to simply do what is required or what is adequate that's not the standard we live by we learned in abu dhabi how to do this better and it just made sense that we would apply those lessons for the nine events we have here in august to make things safer for everyone and again maybe the intention was there and the number of positives has 100 percent ramped up since these events in august uh, the from what we've seen, Abu Dhabi had a very robust testing procedure, but that testing procedure and protocol was overseen by the Abu Dhabi government and not by the UFC. So the UFC, perhaps to save money, perhaps just for the sake of appearance, um, 
said that they were going to do more, but they have. It it seems as if they have not, because the testing, the the COVID nineteen positives have increased. There's no denying it. Um, you know, we had two this week, and I suspect with folks who had traveled at Thanksgiving, we're going to see more in the in the coming weeks. But the question again is. Why are they testing positive, not when they get there, but on fight night, if they are quarantined inside a quote-unquote bubble? I would want the UFC to admit there is no bubble in, in, in Vegas. There was a bubble in Abu Dhabi, but White left that bubble to film some, some videos. We know that. He left the, the bubble with uh, Matt Sarah and Michael Bisping. And I think he did it again later to film videos. And according to the APEC, I'm sorry, the Fight Island protocol, anyone that would leave the bubble was supposed to be quarantined. And that did not happen. White said that there was tests involved, but that's not what the procedure says. This procedure says quarantine. So if there's no bubble in Vegas, it's not a real surprise because if Dana White is blowing off the idea of a bubble in Abu Dhabi, well, then he's just leading by bad example, which he's is something I've said in the past that light that white is uh, a good steward for the UFC and the folks who make money off the UFC, but a terrible leader because he does not lead by example. He leads by do what I say, not what I do. And that's not how you lead. That's not how any good leader leads. Um, to follow this up with the Nevada State Athletic Commission protocol. I don't think I don't know if that's being followed uh, because what that says is all personnel will follow the state of Nevada social distancing guidelines, including the wearing of masks at all times. And this is from the point of the weigh-in until fight night, including fight night. And we know for a fact that Dana White does not wear a mask ever. I don't know why, but. He's breaking the uh, NSAC protocol whenever he does this. And from what I've heard from the government of Nevada, it's up to the NSAC to hand out any kind of punishments or repercussions for folks that don't follow its protocol. And so I would say, well, why isn't Dana White facing repercussions for not following the NSAC protocol? And I will ask that question on, on Monday when um, the NSAC is in the office. Uh, another thing that I had question and I'm going to try and get an answer for is this contact tracing is required by NSAC for anyone who tests positive. Um, and that is at the UFC's expense. So here's what it says about positive tests. And this is a question that I, I want to answer as one answered as well. Uh, I know the UFC was doing this early in the, uh, apex events. I don't know if it continues to do that, and I want to find out. Uh, this is what it says. All personnel that test positive will be required to seek immediate primary care, self-quarantine in the state of Nevada for 14 days, and shall not be allowed to travel by air until cleared. Solo car travel may be permitted by the individual testing positive. They do not live in the state of Nevada, but under no circumstance may the positive personnel be allowed to travel by air until cleared by an NSA physician and have tested positive, tested negative for the PCR test. 
Should the person fail to comply with this directive, he or she shall be shall not be permitted to enter a closed system or participate in any future events of unarmed combat in the state until such time as these protocols are no longer in force. So again, we don't know if this is being followed. I will say it was followed in the early days. We know that fighters quarantined in Nevada or drove home to their home state to quarantine there. So yeah, it was followed, but I don't know if it is still being followed, which is a big question because it seems that things have really slacked off from the early days of the UFC Apex uh, protocol. And I don't know why that is. Maybe it's just, you know, without people watching, without people reporting on it, maybe it's a false sense of confidence, which we should not have because increase in positive tests, both in the UFC and outside the UFC and in the U.S. in general, have have really taken off again. And so I would hope the UFC is doing everything it's supposed to. It does not appear that it's it is. And again, I'm going to ask these questions. I don't expect the UFC to answer me. I hope the Nevada State Athletic Commission will answer me. And I also hope that some fighters will speak up and we can get um, some real information out of this, even if it's anonymous. Because you know and I know that the UFC does not like folks poking around and reporting bad uh, bad things about it. So I... I just don't know what's going on with the Apex. And from what White says, he doesn't know either. But I suspect that that might be untrue. Because White always tells us that the only person that really knows what's going on with the UFC is Dana White. And so if he's saying that he doesn't know what's going on with these positive tests, I just don't believe that. I don't believe that for a second. So we'll see what kind of information I can get. I'm not holding my breath from a UFC point of view. I hope fighters will uh, speak up and I hope the NSAC will answer me because when I asked the Nevada government about this, they said any repercussions will flow down from the NSAC. First time I asked them, I did not get an answer. This time, maybe I will. Um, but it's it's something that needs to kept, keep getting reported on and it's something that needs to, if it's broken, be fixed because this is not good for the fighters. It's not good for the UFC and it's, it's, it's just bad all around. And we're going to be, I think looking at, you know, an even longer period of time where we're facing a COVID-19 protocol. And if it's not being enforced, that needs to be fixed and fixed as quickly as possible. One thing, uh, other thing that came up, well, I'm going to have a lot of other things that came up during the during the press conference was that, um, this is from John Morgan again, he asked if someone like Jack Hermanson, who lost to Marvin Vittori in the main event, but Vittori was his third uh, opponent for the event, if someone like him would get a, a, I guess, I think Morgan said a pass, quote-unquote pass, uh, as far as being in danger because he lost this fight on, you know, it was a short-notice opponent, it was his third opponent. And it was the main event. And White said that this was the world we're living in. And I didn't like the way that sounded because he never said that Hermanson would get a pass or be, from what sounds to me, be safe, even though he lost. Um, and it, that's kind of scary. And that sends a message that 
Fighters should be very careful accepting short notice fights during this COVID-19 uh, pandemic, as well as during the time where the UFC is looking to cut up to around 60 fighters um, and reduce staffing. And so if you're kind of a, if you're a fighter who's high paid and doesn't really have a path to a title fight, you should be nervous about that to begin with. You should be extra nervous if they're going to, if the UFC is going to ask you for a favor to step up and fight someone on short notice, knowing that you might fall victim to the, to the chopping block. Because as Dana White said, you know, this is the, uh, the world we're living in now. So if I was a UFC fighter and the uh, promotion came and asked me to do them a favor and step up for a short notice fight, the answer to that would be uh, 100% no. Because if my job's on the line, I want to fight with a full camp and at 100% health. Not on a short notice for a fighter I have not prepared for or studied film on. So that's something to think about, especially now that we know that up to that around 60 fighters are going to be released. Speaking of being released, Yoel uh, Romero was released. And this is what White said about that. It's not just Yoel. We're going to go through some serious cuts here at the end of the year. Probably going to have 60 cuts before the first of the year. Yoel has lost four of his last five. He's 44 years old. Our roster is very inflated right now. We're going to have some big cuts coming before the end of the year. And to that, I say, let's look at the context of this uh, lost four out of five. So I think three of those four losses were title fights or interim title fights. And so that's, you know, that's not your regular loss. That's the you're at the top of the game kind of loss. And the other thing that to consider there is, and this is where I think this is the path that the UFC is going to take on these releases. If you're a top-notch fighter, top-level fighter, highly ranked, who has had title fights like your Romero, like Romero, or has had title eliminators like Hermanson and lost and are highly compensated, you're probably going to be one of the fighters the UFC is looking to release. So when Romero fought Israel Adesanya, he made a disclosed $350,000 for that fight. And so he, he doesn't have a path back to a title fight. He's probably in the $200,000 range of a, of a pay, payday now. That's someone that the UFC is going to get rid of. And so that's why I said someone like Hermanson should worry because now he's been in two, if not title eliminators, highly ranked contender eliminators. And for him, he probably doesn't have a, a quick path to a title fight. And so he's, he's someone that should worry. So this is just a bad, bad look for the UFC because we know that these highly compensated fighters or fighters who are at the top of the rankings or near the top of the rankings are going to be replaced by the uh, plethora of Dana White Contender Series fighters who were signed in this last couple seasons who are making the minimum contracts. And this is the quantity, not quality uh, outlook of the UFC. This is a way for the UFC to keep delivering the number of fights it's required to deliver to ESPN while increasing its own profits 
because it's had a year now to look at these less than stellar fight cards and see how the ratings have gone and how the ESPN plus streaming sales have gone. And the UFC obviously sees that they have not dropped. And so it feels safe in delivering lesser names, lower paid fighters on these UFC fight cards on ESPN. The only thing that's going to change to up the quality is if, if the ESPN ratings fall or if the ESPN plus uh, purchases fall or level off. That's the only thing that's going to change this. And so the UFC is going to reduce its cost by getting fighters we don't know to, to replace fighters we do know, but make a lot of money. This is not going to change. This is the new UFC. And it should have been very easy to see that this was going to be the route when the UFC started signing more and more and more contender series fighters this year than it had in the past. So don't be shocked if some very big names get released and get replaced by fighters who you've never heard of and who have only fought on the contender series or one or two fights on the prelims of a UFC card. We're going to see some watered-down cards coming up, uh, I think. And the, the, the blame for this is really the, the folks that support anything with UFC on it. I'm sorry to be that blunt, but let's be honest. If the UFC can get ratings with no-name fighters, that's exactly what it's going to do. And so that's exactly what we're going to see in a, a large part in 2021, I believe. So keep an eye out for that. Um, Chris Lee, this is the last topic. Chris Lee has uh, been on the wrong side of some split decisions. I think um, it was close to 10 that he was the descending, dissenting referee, I'm sorry, judge on split decisions and uh, that's concerning and the NSAC or any other uh, athletic commission that employs Lee should call him out on this and now I'm not gonna criticize him because I don't know what he is looking at and what he is judging or even where he's sitting because if he's sitting in a bad spot his view could be uh, not very good and so I would I would hope the NSAC reviews his scorecards on these questionable ones where he was the, the single dissenting referee. I'm judge, I'm sorry. And gets an idea of what he's looking at. And at that point, you can either work with him to correct these if you're seeing errors or if he's saying something that is not written in the, rule, the rules, the scoring rules, then you can work with him and correct him or you can remove him from the uh, UFC judging until he reaches a level that is acceptable to the NSAC. But we've seen the NSAC defend these judges blindly in the past. So I'm, so I have my doubts about that. I'd like to see the judges, you know, forced to speak about what they saw and why they judge something some way, but I don't think that's going to happen. Um, the Kansas Athletic Commission said that they would welcome that. Uh, and I don't think anyone should attack these judges when questioning them if they have the opportunity to do so. But I think the questions should be asked. And if it's not going to be via the media, then it should be 
via the athletic commissions and the athletic commissions should report on those things and let us all know that, hey, this is what we saw, this is what we worked with, and here's what's going on. There's no, there's not a lot of transparency in, in mixed martial arts. Uh, there should be. There should be, and the media should push for that. The athletic commissions should work with that, you know, because it makes the sport better, and the UFC should also push for that because, like I said, it makes the sport better. But by the same token, the UFC should also be more transparent on things like positive COVID-19 tests and injuries and concussions and other damage that fighters face. But there's never been that kind of transparency in the sport. And it's going to take a giant effort to, uh, to make that happen. And the media has been, and I think will continue to be reluctant to do so, because it believes that, and, and rightfully so, it believes that the UFC could be vindictive towards them if they report on something that the UFC does not want to be reported on. And the UFC is vindictive. And so we'll see how that works. But I would implore the uh, media to ask the tough questions, keep pushing for transparency. And right now, right now, the most important thing, I think, is getting underneath this whole... COVID-19 positive testing at the, at the apex and trying to figure out what's going on, what's broken and what needs to be fixed because something's definitely broken here and the UFC knows what it is. It's just not telling us. And, uh, that's all I have for this evening. I will be back tomorrow until then everyone stay safe. 